Welcome to Money Through Ease, the podcast that helps small business owners overcome limiting beliefs and take control of their financial agency. I'm your host, Reagan Bashara, founder of All Ease Accounting. Join us as we explore ways to empower yourself and achieve financial success with ease. Hello, everybody. I'm coming at you with a brand new episode of Money Through Ease today. Um, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. Make sure that you have notifications turned on for when new episodes release. And if you could also do me a favor and leave a rating or review, that would be awesome because it helps me push my podcast to more folks who need to hear this information. So let's get started with today's episode. We are talking about the lessons that I've learned from being in business for the past 12 months. So you probably know if you've been listening that I just celebrated my one-year business anniversary. May 1st, 2022 was when I officially launched All Ease Accounting, and I'm gonna milk the one-year anniversary for all that it's worth, to be quite honest, but I do want to share with you what I've learned because I hope that it will be helpful or, I mean, it's funny, it's weird to like say that I want to inspire people, but I feel like sharing my experience somehow will help you to make better decisions in your business, uh, to start a business if that's something that you want to You've wanted to do for a long time, but you just can't convince yourself to go ahead and do it. Um, I hope that I can be maybe an inspiration to you if you want. If you don't want to be inspired by me, then that's totally fine too. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, The first lesson that I want to share is kind of a personal philosophy of mine as well, but it's to take yourself seriously, but not too seriously. Your clients that pay you money or your customers that pay you money they take you seriously. They take the work that you do seriously. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay you their hard-earned dollars. Everybody is, you know, always concerned about what they're paying other people, where they're spending their money. Most of us are concerned about that and want to make sure that we're uh, paying money to people who are, you know, licensed or certified or have a lot of experience in what they do because then we feel like our money is being spent in a good way that is going to have a good return on our investment. So the people that are paying you money take you seriously uh, and hopefully that means that you will go ahead and take yourself seriously too as a business owner whether you are a service-based business or you sell some sort of product or you do you know a combination of those things and you can take your work seriously without being too serious about your work so what I mean by this is that it's good to have expectations of yourself it's good that your clients have expectations of you and you can choose whether or not you want to accept those expectations that your clients have. You know, there's a back and forth that happens when someone hires you and they are like, I want this to happen and here's what I expect in terms of like when I want you to deliver. And then you can be like, that's cool. That's not what I'm able to deliver you or that's not within my purview, or you can say, yes, like, absolutely, I can do that for you. So you can have mutual expectations of each other, and both of you, if it's two parties, can choose to accept the other's expectations. But also, if you don't meet someone's expectations, if you don't meet your own expectations, it's not the end-all, be-all moral failure that we often make it out to be. 
right? It doesn't mean that we're a bad person because we couldn't meet a deadline for a client. You know, it doesn't even mean that we're, you know, if you're a professional, a bad whatever, a bad doctor, a bad accountant, a bad lawyer, whatever. So humor is one of my values personally and in business. I like to have fun. I like to have a silly, goofy time. I love to laugh. Uh, I can do that at the same time that I embody how important my work is to my clients. I can absolutely find ways to make accounting fun. I can have fun while I work. I can have fun doing my work. I get to decide that I want to have humor be a part of my life. Even when I make a mistake on something or maybe there's an issue that needs to be resolved with someone's bookkeeping or payroll or something, I can still find a way to make a joke and to kind of lighten the mood. And to me, that has value because that allows me to not take things too seriously. The work that I do is not life or death. I totally understand if you are an ER doctor and your job literally is life or death situation for other people. And maybe you don't wanna crack a joke at an inappropriate time, uh, but when it comes to accounting and bookkeeping, like I, nobody's dying over here. So <laughs> like things might go wrong, but it's not a moral issue. It is not a mortal issue. So in that way, I can make a silly goofy joke about it and kind of lighten the mood. and. Then then go and resolve the issue, right? It doesn't have to be so serious. So here's what I think we should not be too serious about, whether or not you're already successful. So if you are already successful, and that would be by your own measurements, that would be you've decided on the criteria for what success looks like for you. And then you're like, I like that criteria, and I'm going to go try to be successful in that way and meet that criteria. And then you do meet the criteria. So you're like, great. I'm successful. And that's great. And it should be celebrated. No matter what, you should celebrate success. But just be aware of how much you use that success to stroke your own ego. And is that going to get you to the next goal that you want to set or the next level of criteria of success that you want to create for yourself and accept? Is stroking your ego going to get you to the next place? Or is it a celebration thing? to where we can say, yeah, I did it. I was successful in that endeavor. And now I wanna go on to the next thing. And uh, I know I can be successful with that because I am a person who does achieve success rather than like, I'm so fucking awesome. And I'm for sure gonna meet all my targets and meet all my successful criteria because I'm so amazing and people should worship me and I should be famous and blah, blah, blah. Like how much of it is established in your ego and your need to like have that stroke session of like, you know, I'm successful, everybody look at me. Or is it gonna be like, yeah, I know I can do this because I have achieved success in other areas of my life that I've decided on. But we don't need to be too serious about it either. Like just because you were successful in meeting some sort of expectation or meeting some sort of criteria that you set for yourself, you know, that's not something to be too serious about either, right? Because it's still something that you made up. It's still something that you decided you were going to accept as far as what success means for you. So it's still coming from, you know, your brain, which is a Looney Tune sometimes, uh, and is not all the way evolved from like a lizard. <laughs> 
So we don't have to be too serious about when we are actually successful based on our own criteria because we made it up to begin with. But you don't have to be too serious about if you're not successful. So again, if you've decided on measurements, if you've decided on criteria that you're like, I want to meet this goal or I want to do these things and then I will be successful. And then you don't meet those criteria. You don't get to the goal. Uh, we don't use our quote unquote lack of success as a blunt object to inflict shame and blame on ourselves. We don't get to use that as a tool, as a curmudgeon to like beat ourselves up for not being good enough or for not doing enough or, you know, not doing anything at all or, you know, we're not successful and that means that we're stupid or we're bad business and we're bad at doing business. Like we don't get to use our quote unquote lack of success to be serious about how much we suck. That's just not a thing that we're going to do. So that's lesson number one is, you know, be serious about your work, but don't take it too seriously and don't take yourself too seriously. All of this is made up, y'all. <laughs> Everything is a construct. And that means that we do get to decide what we accept and what we want to be serious about. So the next lesson that I've learned and then I'm honestly still learning because it's not something that you 100% fix for the rest of your life. It's, it's literally built into our DNA. Is that you won't get anywhere until you're willing to go afraid. So what I mean by it literally being baked into our DNA. If you know anything about like brains and how they evolved, you know that fear is a natural response because we evolved from other animals. That if something was a threat to your survival or to your life, that you would be afraid of it and probably run away if it was like gonna harm you in some way, right? So fear is just always going to come and go. That's literally a fact of life besides death and taxes. We're gonna be afraid at some point. We're biologically designed to have a fear response when something may be a threat to our lives. And it's kind of an important emotion to have at your nervous system disposal. So let's look at an example. If you know that a stove, when it's turned on, is hot and you're afraid of getting burned, you can avoid pain and suffering and injury by being afraid to touch the hot stove. So fear is a useful emotion when it comes to preventing ourselves from being injured or killed or whatever. But fear also comes up when we're just trying something new that we've never done before. And so it's an uncertain thing and we don't know if it's gonna work and we don't know if you know we're gonna spend money on that thing and we're gonna get a return on our investment. And so a lot of fear comes up because we've made it mean something about like our survival. So if we can reason with ourselves and use our evolved brains, that prefrontal cortex that kind of sets us apart from every other animal that allows for like critical thinking, we can use that part of our brains to determine that even though something, you know, is causing a fear response in us, it's still something worth doing anyways. And that's when we can level up and take the next step to reach our goals. So anytime we have fear come up, it's useful and it's worth looking at, I think, when we're afraid of something and evaluating it with a clear head, right? Like not giving in to this is something scary and therefore it's a threat to my survival so I'm just not gonna do it. It's worth looking at whatever we're afraid of and like logically thinking through it and applying some critical thought. So fear doesn't actually mean that something will be harmful to us. 
So we know that's true, right? Like if I were to use the example, if you swim at all, I know some people don't know how to swim or don't like to swim, but at some point, maybe as a child, you were jumping into a pool for the first time. So your parent or another grown-up was probably in the pool waiting to catch you with their arms out. You've developed some level of trust with them. You know they're not going to not catch you. And you're not actually in any danger of drowning in the pool. But you're still afraid to jump for the first time, even though you know logically that the danger of you drowning was infinitesimally small. You at some point decided to overcome that fear because you knew it actually wasn't going to be harmful even though all the alarm bells were going off and you're like what if I drown? What if something blah blah blah? You know as a child. And children don't even have fully developed brains but they're still able to make those critical decisions because they see somebody who's a grown-up who they have developed some sort of trust and safety with and so they still decide to jump in the pool because that grown-up's there to catch them. They're not going to drown. Um, and so even though fear is there, it's not an assurance. It's not 100% that it's actually going to be something that's harmful to us. And we can use that and apply that to any time we want to do something in our business or even start a business because start starting a business is scary as fuck, y'all. Like there's no two ways about it, especially if that's going to be your primary source of income, if you've decided that that's going to be the only way that you have income to support your livelihood. Starting a business is scary, but just because that is scary doesn't mean that that's actually going to come true, that you're not going to make any money, and then, you know, all sorts of dominoes will fall and you'll end up dying. (laughs) So here's what we do. When we notice that we're afraid to do something or afraid to say something or afraid to buy into something, and we want to make a rational evaluation about the risks that are involved with making that choice and then decide what to do. We don't wanna just rely on the fear response stopping us from doing something. We actually do wanna sit down and think critically and logically about something. And here's the thing, you can totally be afraid to do something and it's not even a threat to you physically or emotionally or financially, and then you can still decide not to do it. After you've sat down and done that, risk evaluation, after you've sat down and critically and logically thought out the steps of what you would be doing that you're so afraid of, you can still think through it logically and then decide not to do it. Nobody is saying that you have to be afraid of something and then do it anyways. I'm certainly not going to tell you to do that. You still get to decide, but at least take the time to have a critical thinking session, step through it logically, explore the various risks, the pros and cons, whatever you wanna do. At least give yourself the benefit of going through that first before you decide not to do something. But knowing that you have the option to do something that you're afraid of, like starting a business, or maybe you wanna hire employees, or you wanna rent a bigger space to open up a shop, and then deciding to do it once you've ascertained what risks are involved in that, that's where growth becomes a probability, not just a possibility, but a probable likely outcome. So before we move on to the next two lessons of what I've learned in the past 12 months of being in business for myself, we're gonna take a quick break. Attention podcast listeners. 
Are you tired of spending countless hours managing your bookkeeping? Not sure why your profit and loss shows way more money than is in your bank account? Let me help you. Book a complimentary consultation today and I will evaluate your bookkeeping needs. I have over eight years of bookkeeping experience with small business owners just like you. I provide tailored solutions to make your life easier. Don't wait. Book a consultation now and take the first step towards financial success. Now we're back. Let's move on to the third lesson that I've learned in the past 12 months of owning my own business. We want to find community and put down roots in that community. So if you are a sole proprietor, if you are a single member, LLC owner, if you consider yourself a solopreneur, if it's just you and only you, or maybe it's you but you've hired employees or you have a virtual assistant or something, do you still consider yourself like it's just me? I'm in business for myself. There's not anybody else with any sort of stake in this business. I'm alone. I'm all by myself. The name solopreneur, sole proprietor, single member LLC, however your business is set up, however you identify as a business owner, it's literally baked into the name, solo. You're the only one, single member. It's just you. There's this implication baked in that you have to do this alone or that you have you know, no other options. You're doing this alone, so you need to just figure it out for yourself. Is that really true? Obviously not. (laughs) It's not true. Just because you're the sole member in your business, you're the sole proprietor, you're the sole solopreneur, it does not mean that you have to face everything by yourself and not lean on anyone or anything else. There are small business groups that exist that are the space to turn to when you need support. So what does support look like for you? It can be different for everybody, but support could look like you needing a space to vent. (laughs) You just gotta get it out there to other people who know what the heck you're going through. When you come to the point where you wanna hire employees, that is where I see a lot of business owners start to vent because they're just like, yeah, not only do I have to manage my business, I have to manage the work that I do for my clients, I have to communicate with my clients, and now I'm throwing another human into the mix and I have to manage them. It creates a lot of mental and emotional drama for a lot of people. You may need a space to vent. I'm an accountant, but sometimes people vent to me too. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. You may need a space to look for support in asking for advice. You might wanna be surrounded by people that have been through what you're going through right now, just so that you have that, you know, misery loves company, but just like somebody to ask for advice. Hey, when you ran into this thing in your business, when you were first starting out, what did you do? How did you solve this? What were you thinking? Did you go to anybody and ask for help? Like, I just need some freaking advice. Asking for recommendations, so. Can you recommend somebody who can do my taxes? Can you recommend somebody that uh, does business insurance? Asking for recommendations to people who are on the same entrepreneurial journey as you can kind of weed out a lot of the folks that aren't going to be as helpful. And you get a referral, you get a recommendation from somebody that's used that person's services or products, and you can they can tell you like, yeah, this absolutely you know, changed the game for me. This really helped me out. So it'll probably help you too. This looks like support in a networking group. So if networking, if leveraging your network is really important for you to grow your business, you might want to consider being in a group where that is the sole purpose, is developing a network of other entrepreneurs and professionals and having people to turn to. So you 
want to be able to try new systems as you're implementing them in a space where you can get feedback and coaching about what you're implementing. I think that this is very important because there are things that I forget sometimes. I'm currently developing systems and processes for my business, for all of the things that I do, and I have a space that I can go and I can ask for feedback or simply to just say, did I miss anything? Because sometimes I can't just think of everything, you know? Here's the kinds of spaces that you can find this in. It could be like a mastermind group. It could be a business coaching group. It could be networking or referral organizations, or maybe you can create your own space, you know, set up a group chat with some other business owners that you know, and be intentional about what the space is for. You know, everybody decide like, this is what we want this space to be. We want to have a sounding board. We want to be able to ask for advice or recommendations. You can totally set it up yourself. But here's the thing. I personally think that it's better to have leadership and someone who is guiding that work and who can support you, who is on a different stage of their entrepreneurial journey than you. Just because if you're all in one group and you're all on the same level, you are taking advice from other people who are on the same level as you. And if you're trying to get to a different level, whether that's a revenue goal, that's a client goal, that's an audience engagement reach goal, whatever you want it to be, having other people who are at the same spot as you, it's like, well, do they really know what it takes? Can they really give you advice and support in getting you to the next level if they're not there yet? So having somebody who is a leader in that space and who can help guide that work for you and who can provide support and, you know, help you think of the things that you can't think of because you haven't been there yet. So that is the third lesson is finding community and putting down roots in it. The fourth and final lesson from the past 12 months of owning my own business that I want to share with you is to be honest about what you're doing, thinking, and feeling. There were a lot of times in the past 12 months that I could not face my own bullshit. And I wasn't able to move on from that bullshit until I faced it. So for instance, I have shared some of my prior work experience on this podcast with you all. And it took me a long time to be honest with myself about my experience and then an even longer time to open it up and to be public about those experiences. I think it's beneficial to share my experience so that other people can relate and maybe benefit from that shared experience and that camaraderie. But I could not even admit to myself what kind of experience I had had for a long time because I felt shitty about how long I had chosen to stay in that experience. I was making my past choices mean that I was weak or somehow culpable in my own treatment, which is just not the truth. And once I was able to admit that I had that shame about choosing to stay in that thing, in that experience, in something for so long, only then could I let the shame go and forgive myself and accept my past self for making those choices. And here's the other thing that we need to be honest about. Being honest with your clients is paramount. This is so, so important, y'all. If you're in any way trying to hide information or your intentions from folks, then you have taken away their agency to make a good decision for themselves, to make good decisions for their business. And I don't like the idea of taking away someone else's consent and agency, which is why we don't do that here. So being honest with your clients, it's a huge thing for me. I try to be as upfront and honest with my clients as possible, just so that everybody is clear 
about what the expectations are, about what my role is in their business. So those are the four lessons that I wanted to share with you that I've learned over the past 12 months of being in business for myself. I'm so glad you're here listening to this podcast and I hope you'll join me over on my email list and social media. Those links will be in the show notes, so make sure you get subscribed and follow me. If you're in the first 12 months of running your own business, or if you haven't even started a business yet, but you want to, I want to talk to you. I offer a complimentary consultation that is one-on-one with me virtually. Yes, if you have not started your business yet, I want to talk to you because the best time to make sure that your accounting and bookkeeping are right is before you even start collecting money from people. So thanks for listening. And as always, please rate and leave a review of this podcast wherever you are listening. I really appreciate it. It helps boost it to other folks who need to hear these messages. Turn on new episode notifications so that you never miss an episode when it drops. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll talk later. Thanks for tuning in to Money Through Ease. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to my email list to stay up to date on all the latest content. You can also follow me on social media at alleaseaccounting or facebook.com forward slash accountingwithease for even more insights and updates. And if you're interested in learning more about my bookkeeping services, don't hesitate to schedule a complimentary consult today. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.